0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Young Conductors Podcast. We are your hosts,
1: Sean and Cole, two conductors on a mission to encourage, educate, and inspire young conductor teachers. Hey, y'all. Today, we'll be talking about our own approaches to score study and how it's important as conductor teachers.
0: We want to add again that these beliefs are our own, and of course, they may change as we continue on, on with our journeys. However, with both of us being in grad school, we feel that these ideas are not unorthodox or radical. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is why score study is important. And we have a few, uh, a list of things that why we think it is important. Uh, So the first thing is interpretation. Um, It's really important for you and also your students or your performers uh, to connect the music and have your own ideas or your own story. Um, and obviously interpretation is like one of the biggest things we do as conductors. We want to bring something fresh and something new to the performance uh, that maybe people haven't heard before. At least that's when it's exciting to me is when I hear something I haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, so really knowing the score well, I think will help you, to develop those ideas. Like if you're just going in and you're just like, okay, let's conduct this. You might not really have a solid idea of how you want it to go or how it maybe should go.
1: Yeah, I feel that. I mean, even for interpretation, I just think that, I don't know. I feel, you know, they always talk about the teaching world and that we like steal ideas from each other and, you know, Mm -hmm. resources and all those things. I feel like interpretation, like, yes, I envelop my own as I'm like, working on a piece of music, but I also I do so much listening beforehand and like hearing like five different variations of the same piece of music, for example, Mm -hmm. that I think somehow along the journey I steal like bits and pieces of certain things. And then sometimes I go into the rehearsal with this idea of what I want and then I sometimes I just like throw it right out the door. Right. And a new idea is present. Yeah. yeah. But I also think as conductor teachers, thinking about interpretation, it's not only your own that you have to consider, like it's also the musicians that are in front of you and thinking about what Dr. Bowen was talking about last episode. I think it's good to bring their ideas um, forward when you're talking about interpretation or like what the story is and, and that kind of thing. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, at the end of the day, us conductors at the very end, when we're at the concert, or whatever, like we are just waving our arms around and guiding them. You know, they are the ones that are like making most of the music on that mm-hmm. stage, and so if they don't yeah. feel it themselves, then I feel like, you know, I don't know. Right, and, and if, now, they, rant. Like, <laughs> if they have
0: an idea that maybe you don't like or don't agree with, like guide them in that direction to where. Like tell them why maybe that might not be the right thing to do, but this might be the right thing to do. But obviously what they're saying is completely important.
1: Yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, yeah for sure. in the right like, direction.
1: Yeah, their voices deserve to be heard. Um, and I mean, yeah. I've also had the, I've also um, had many different ideas before. Like students will throw out different things and it's great. And we may play around with each of those and then you notice that, like, more people are like, oh, I like this one. I like idea B better than yeah. I liked idea A. So maybe let's go with that. So it's like a collaborative effort on mm. deciding the interpretation, which is yeah. fluid. It changes, I think, as throughout the rehearsal process. Which yeah, I think is I definitely. Really
0: cool. I've done that a lot in my community ensembles because mm. it's mainly mo- made up of, like, older people. So mm. they like to, you know chime in a lot too so i always i always give <laughs> them the option uh, of of like do you want to slow down here do you not want to slow down here maybe a crescendo or something like that so i definitely agree with with uh, letting it be collaborative
1: yeah that's a great word i think to use yeah absolutely. the next c word that we're going to talk about is a clarity and communication I think it's really important to know the score well enough that um, your gesture reflects the composer's intentions and markings um, and that's something you know once again interpretation might sneak in or like what the ensemble how the ensemble interprets your gesture for example um, but it, it's important to go in knowing things so if i know that one section is going to i don't know if anybody listening knows the laban efforts of conducting But if I'm going into something thinking that um, I'm going to be more bounce, for example, and Mm -hmm. the ensemble is like, oh, it's not really working. I may be like, oh, let's change it to flick. Um, But I already have the idea in place that I can run through these different options. But once Mm -hmm. again, knowing that's cool enough. I mean, I think Sean and I will talk about, um, I think we had both winged rehearsals before going in.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And it's just like, you know, you're just, you're a a living metronome for them in that moment. But I think the score study and taking the time to really sit down and write down all of these things is super important, especially Mm. being clear with your gesture. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've like sat and like looked in a mirror. It's usually in the bathroom. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like singing through something and I'm conducting it in the mirror. And I look, and I'm like, "Mm, that's not kind of what i was wanting to show so i'll try Mm -hmm. different things so i think that you know gestural clarity is like super important to practice ahead of time and being willing to have different options i think and you'll have more options i think as you grow as conductor teachers but um yeah being clear um with your clarity and communication what are you trying to convey to the ensemble is super important to think about so thinking about like tempo for example like how are you going to make those tempo changes happen um, how are you going to differentiate articulation when you're with your gesture it's all things that you need to consider when you're doing a mm-hmm. score study and these things i realize like now that i'm thinking about this like score study is something like my process of score study has changed drastically over the last for year few years yeah. i mean i am not a theory yeah. person and so i think Sean knows this. We have theory together. I'm not (laughs) a theory person. And I think when I first got the idea of score study, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to write Roman numerals for every single thing. Like we did in theory class, right? (laughs) Every single, yeah. Every, every single thing that's going on, I need to write a Roman numeral for. And that's not the idea. I mean, you should have, you should know what's going on well enough in your score. And Sean's going to talk about analysis in in a second, but um. Yeah. It's, it's definitely changed over the years. So yeah, if absolutely. we are saying something and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that, feel free. Or if you're like, let's try. I've never thought about that before. Also feel free to do it. You know, this is
0: yeah.
1: definitely fluid and you'll figure it out on your own, but Sean or even if bad. you're like,
0: that's so stupid. I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> oh, no, Right. Like, what are, these, what are well? these
1: two imbeciles talking about? <laughs> just ignore us, you know, just ignore right. us.
0: Right. Um, but I was like, we were talking about earlier with, uh, Clarity and communication. Um, obviously, this is an extreme example, but if there's if there's a term in there and it says adagio at the beginning, and you're conducting at quarter note equals one sixty, that is obviously not going to be very clear for your ensemble, and they're going to be mm-hmm. like very confused. So, um, make sure you're clear on the on the terms and the instructions, if you will, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess that can kind of segue into the analysis slash form so for me i think that finding like finding the form it's more of a roadmap, and it's it's more for yourself rather than than the performers obviously the performers probably know it or if you're if you're in a teaching setting it's important to teach them the form and what's going on um, so like the standard like orchestral repertoire form would probably be sonata form. So you have the exposition, the development, the recapitulation. Um, So in the exposition, you have the first theme, usually a transition, and then the second theme. Um, I don't necessarily mark those in my score, but I think it's definitely important to be aware of them. Like, okay, this is the first theme. And as time goes on, you become more aware of, what is the first theme? What is the second theme? And how are we getting there? That becomes like a lot more apparent as you, as you get more experience. Um, Mm. But for me, it just keeps me, it keeps my brain like grounded, I guess you could say like, okay, this is the section that I'm in. I know what I need to do. I know where I need to go. Um, And the same exact thing goes for phrases. Sometimes I like to mark phrases with like a little arch above, like with the two bar phrase, I'm going to show you guys uh, in a little bit, but if it's a two bar phrase, I'll like do an arc above the, the two bars. Um, and, you know, if I quickly looked out, I'm like, oh, yep, that's a two bar phrase. Got it. So I think that also just keeps me really grounded. Um, and it's it's really helpful for me. Some people don't really care about form. Now, I'm not saying you need to be like, okay, this is rounded binary, like blah, blah, blah. You don't necessarily need to do that. But just so you know, like, okay, this is this section. This is this section. And I think it'll help you uh, keep your place.
1: Yeah. I mean, I also think about when I'm thinking about form and the different sections of music, and you'll see this in our scores a little bit. um, I usually use like a big black line to distinguish between different sections. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like to bring in the interpretation idea with the form. And it's like if it's a new section, there's a new idea going on. So it's important to know about these things ahead of time, like Sean was saying to best prepare for whatever you may come across um in the rehearsal setting which segue into thinking about another reason why score study important is important is because of the rehearsal process and preparation um i mean i'm just thinking now like we've talked about winging it before but Yes, we all wing it at times. Maybe you're given the music right before rehearsal or something happens, you're not able to... Whatever happens along the way. You are going to have a way more efficient rehearsal if you know (laughs) that score already going into it, right? Versus it being like a game of where's Waldo and you're trying to figure out what to talk about. So like going into rehearsal, already knowing things, already coming up with, you know, oh, I know that... um, the basses are going to have a really hard time with this low note and measure yada yada. Preparing for that ahead of time is going to help a lot more, help the rehearsal process be a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. Um, But once again, you know, there can only be so much done before you get in front of the ensemble, but being ready to have different options of what you can do is super important. Um, And of course, listening is a really important part of preparing for the rehearsal process and being in the rehearsal process i mean like if i'm talking about a low g for example like my ears are going to be listening at different uh for different sections um sorry let me rephrase that my ear is going to be listening to different parts and different sections because i'm gonna be like oh i know that this one thing is coming up here so i'm going to listen to make sure that this part is hitting that note or i'm going to listen <coughs> for the articulations here. So knowing the score well enough is going to, yes, help your rehearsal run smoothly um, by knowing the score, but also being able to listen and detect issues amongst your ensemble. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. If you don't know the score, it's going to be really hard to detect those things. You're just going right. to be like, great, this is the first time I've heard this. It sounds amazing <laughs> yeah. in that moment but it might be something completely different than what the composer wrote actually on the page. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's pretty important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, I don't want to put numbers to it, but I would say a a good amount, like 50% of score study is for rehearsal preparation. Like if you don't know the score you're going to have a hard time in rehearsal and like the players can pick up on that as well. They'll, Automatically think, oh, this person has no idea what they're doing. Why are we having this guy conduct or this person conduct or whatever? So, definitely important for the rehearsal preparation. Yeah. Um, And
1: that is something that I think, once again, will come with time. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. Your recognition of, like, oh, I'm going to need to come up with fixes for that. It's going to happen over time. And it's also going to change depending on how well you know your ensemble. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I think if somebody was going into like an honor, <clears throat> band or an honor choir for the first time, like it's really hard to prepare for that rehearsal setting. Cause you don't know what the makeup yeah. of the ensemble is. Mm-hmm. And so once again, it's going to be very generic or basic compared to if you're, you know, you've been working with the same ensemble for three years or whatever. So yeah, it'll take time and, and uh, don't fret if you mess up a few times on your way, it's okay. Like I said, we have all winged a rehearsal before um, <laughs> and we have
0: lived to tell the story right exactly shamefully tell the story yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so the next thing that we're going to talk about um i think it goes without saying uh the historical slash cultural context or just the the background of the piece is pretty important to understand as well um so i guess i could talk about the piece that i am i am going to show here in a bit So Beethoven's Coriolan Overture, it's you might have no idea what it's about other than besides the name. You might know it's about the play. Um, But other than that, you might not know like what is actually going on in the music. So it's important to research, you know, what's going on. So if you research Beethoven Coriolan Overture, you would know that it's it's from a play. It's incidental music for a play. And it's essentially about a Roman general who essentially doesn't like his, his bosses anymore. So he he joins the other side and then like the beginning of this piece is just like, like ultimate terror. If you ever heard the piece, I'm sure all my orchestra people, you've heard this piece and, you know, it's just like sheer terror at the very beginning, just this unison C like very loud, very strong, lots of force. Um, and this, this takes us to that first theme. And we know that this Roman general is just having a really tough time. And then in the second theme, we get this very beautiful melody. And from the play, we learn that that's his mother trying to convince him to stop. Like, don't do this. Just come back. It'll be fine. So if you didn't research that, you would have no idea that that's what it's about. Now, obviously, you can take that and make your own story if you want, if that helps you uh, portray it a little bit better, but I think it's important to know, uh, why it was written. And in this case, what was going on in the play at that time.
1: Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not only important for you to know about this, but also like Sean, I think maybe said like your musicians in front of you, it's really important for them to understand this. I mean, I've even seen and done now, um, a little bit of, I mean, there's like, Various ways you can do this. I mean, in all teaching styles, like you can like lecture it where you're standing in front of the ensemble and you're like, "This is what the history is." Blah 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 blah. But going with our theme of decentering the conductor, like Dr. Bowen shared with us, which is going to model that behavior, mm-hmm. it could be really easy for someone to the conductor to be like, "Hey ensemble, here are three things that I want you to research on your own. Go away, learn the things, come back because I feel that." as conductors we don't sometimes we don't have a lot of time to discuss things in the rehearsal depending on you know how often you're meeting your ensemble how long are the the rehearsals themselves so being able to kind of farm out that work and then come back and have the final conversation about it might be something that is helpful for some people Mm -hmm. you know now if you're working with like younger students like you may need to you know lead that conversation yourself and teach that. But if these are yeah. like adults or college students who you can, you know, send for a five minute break for them to research and then come back with questions and like help have them lead the conversation. I think that that is, that could be really useful. So yeah, it is it's really like, important to know.
0: You can, you can relate it to them. Like obviously Coriolan overture might be hard for high school, but if it's like an upper level high school, um, you could say, I don't know. I'm just making this up off the fly. Great. Like, remember, remember when Johnny, like, quit orchestra and we were just all so sad? Like, this is what this second theme is about. Like, we're trying to get him to come back into orchestra because we miss him so much and we love him so dearly. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I've felt that before. They might mm-hmm. not know what it feels like to be a Roman general's mother and <laughs> ask him to come back yeah. into her life. So, always related to them. I think that's, that's the most helpful for them as mm-hmm.
1: well. But I cannot emphasize enough. It is important for you to do your own research. Right. This is not like a total farm out thing. I'm saying like, to save rehearsal time, yes, you can send them on their, your way, but you should have already done this research ahead oh, yeah. of time as Absolutely. the conductor teacher in preparation for this. So you can answer their questions um, and help guide them through the music the best of your ability. But, like, mm-hmm. something that we talk about a lot now is the, the spiritual, especially in, in choral music. We, we talk about that. And I've seen so, 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 and I've been under the baton of people who have programmed a spiritual and then did not talk about the context or the background at all, at all. And here we are just, like, singing this thing. I'm thinking of high school. We're singing this song. And it's like, ooh, it's rhythmic, it's upbeat, it feels good, to sing, yada, yada, yada. But we don't talk about how deep the background and the meaning of it is. You know, spirituals yeah. being like slave songs, like, that's a, that's a deep conversation to have, but it's an important one to have with your ensemble. And so knowing, ahead, I mean, you know, I'm thinking spirituals is like a very specific example But you just never know. I mean, we did at Radford last semester, we did a piece called Duerme Negrito. Um, Mm -hmm. And Dr. Bowen was talking about so many people hear this title and think like, oh, we shouldn't perform that anymore because of what what it translates to. But really, if you Mm -hmm. do the research and you find out more about it, you realize that like it's not what people are assuming it is. And all you needed to do was research it. So just do your right. research, get it out of the way um, and be prepared to answer questions if you need to. Yeah.
0: yeah. Educated so, performances are extremely important.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Because um, I think what you said earlier, Sean, is so true. Like you can tell when the person in front of you doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. It is so, <laughs> it is so obvious. And I'm, you know, funnily thinking about our Sean and I's first uh, music history professor like do you remember we would ask them questions <laughs> and they would like have no idea like, how let to me answer. get back to
0: you on that yeah. and they would
1: never get back to like you know like right. it's like we kind of like saw yeah. right through her like what what was going on? We we're like okay great right. um but we we could see that a mile away you know and your students are the same so mm-hmm. so yeah Absolutely. Um, let's transition into talking about the different processes that we both do. There's like some overlap and some similarity, but I think that overall, I think they're a little different. Um, but once again, these may sound similar of things that you've heard in the past, um, but these are what work best for us. So like this is not us being like you need to do it this certain way. And if you don't, then you're a loser or something like you know. that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just saying this is what's best for us and what we fine tuned. And yeah. it may even change in the next few years. Who knows? But right exactly. now in this moment, this is what works best for us. Yeah. And so you need to do what works best for you. So no one, no one method fits all conductor teachers ever. Right. It's a you very know? So if personalized you, thing. Yeah. If you have someone that's like, you need to do my method my way for me. And then like, okay, great. That's, you know, whatever. Ditch it if you feel you're in the need to later on. But I mean, all teaching is pulling, stealing, and mixing up um, what you have found and using it in a way that you need to use um, or that's comfortable to you. So do not compare yourself to others um like you know sean may come over here and be like he's not but he's he might come over and <laughs> be like oh i wrote a roman numeral on every single measure of my overture score i would hope that, that that's not the case but if <laughs> you would i'm i'm not going to be like oh i didn't do that i must not be as smart or no don't do right. Do what's yeah. best for you you know so you're all individual and unique and Don't compare yourself to others in this capacity or any capacity. So
0: yeah. Why don't
1: you, why don't you talk us through your,
0: your score? Sure. So like I said earlier, um, I'm going to be talking about Beethoven's Coriolan overture. Uh, If you're on the YouTube uh, video, then, which by the way, we do a YouTube video as well. If you want to watch the YouTube video instead of listening to the podcast, Fair warning,
1: we're not Abercrombie models.
0: So, right. Just be prepared. We almost are. We're almost to that, maybe. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Um, So, yeah, if you're on the YouTube video, you'll see a few pages from my score. Um, So, the very first thing I do, which we talked about already, um, is research. Research, 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 research. I can't say research <laughs> <that> <laughs> fast. <laughs> I also have braces, by the way. If no one knew that, I'm an adult and I have braces. So it's hard to talk sometimes. It's okay. Um, we love you and your unique self. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so research. I I think that program notes are really great for this. Because a lot of times it will tell you the why, the where, and the when. So you're saying um, you're
1: finding program notes out? Yeah, somewhere? yeah.
0: If you if you just type in like Beethoven Coriolan Overture, you'll probably get like the L.A. Phil. They'll have their program notes on it from when mm. they performed it. Uh, and there's so many different orchestras that do that. And honestly, that's where that's sometimes where I get a lot of my information on the piece is from program notes. They're so. It's so nice because it's like it's like the thing that I want to read when there's like an 80 page essay on the first five measures of a piece. It's like, okay, that's a little much at the moment. I just want to get a brief like knowledge of this piece. But maybe, you know, when I get deeper in the piece, I would want to read that. Um, So I think program notes are really, really good uh, to rely on for for some of this information. Um, And then the next thing I do is I usually listen to the piece. I find a recording. Um usually of a conductor that I like. I try to I try to find a conductor that I like. If I don't, um then I just, you know, find a recording. And sometimes I find the recording with the with the score. Like if I don't have my score yet, I'll get the YouTube video with the score. Um, so those are those are pretty helpful as well. So I with that said, I like to listen with the score. Like if I have my my score already, I'll open it up and I'll follow along and I'll listen. Um, recordings are a huge resource. I know some people really don't like recordings, but I think that they're they're very helpful.
1: Totally. I would say don't
0: don't rely on them. Like don't good use recordings. Them, but, yeah, good, good recordings. I want to add good recordings, are you? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's why I'm trying to find a good conductor. <laughs> <laughs> um but Yeah, definitely don't rely on them to learn the piece because if you're doing that, then it's just it's it's just artificial. Like you don't I don't feel like you're fully aware of the piece and like the power of the piece. Um, If you're if you're using the recording to learn the piece, I mean, if you want to conduct along, that's fine. Like in your first your first read through, but um, definitely don't rely on them to to learn the piece. That's enough of that um so then form analysis i talked about a little bit already know the important themes the important sections and like i said earlier i don't necessarily mark like i don't say first theme second theme because i like what i'm doing and i already know like we're in the second theme you don't have to mark it. if 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 you need to and that's helpful for you then you know go ahead and do that that's that's great um And phrases, like I said, I do sometimes if it's a two-bar phrase, I'll do a little arch across the, I don't know if my first page has that. No, it doesn't. I think the second one does. And then normally after this form analysis, I go through and I do a harmonic analysis and I do this at the piano. Um, I remember way back, we talked about keyboard skills and how important they are. And for me, they are extremely important because I like to do my harmonic analysis on the keyboard. Um, it's just easier for me to do it that way because you know you just build the chords and it's like, oh yeah, okay, A minor or something like that. Um, and I wanted to talk about pop chords versus Roman numerals. I, I think for this piece, so I did this piece for a masterclass. So I was like really nervous about it. So I think I'm pretty sure I went through and did like literally every bar harmonic. Oh, no, you did. Yeah. So what Cole was talking about is actually kind of true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, no, it's okay. I was I was just like I gotta know this stuff. I really want to know it. I'm gonna do it. So I sat down and I did it, and it does take a lot of time, um, but I think ultimately it's it's worth it in the end because it will help you with, you know, intonation or I mean tuning things, like. I know this chord is F major, so that A probably needs to come down just a little bit. That kind of thing I think is important to know. Um, oh, yeah. Pop chords versus Roman numerals. Sorry. I like pop chords because... Love a good pop chord. Yes. Love a good pop chord. Because it's just... it's There's no extra thinking about it. It's like you put a C7, that's a C7. That's it. But if you put like a 5 of 4... Sometimes your brain like doesn't work that fast and you gotta be like, okay, five of four, blah, 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 blah. Here it is. So for me, it's just I already am aware of how that chord is functioning. Now, if you want if you want the functions of the chords, I think Roman numerals would be good for you. Um, but if you're just like wanting strict harmonic analysis, I think pop chords, I mean, they've been very helpful for me. Obviously, you know that G is the five of C. Like you don't you don't need to put five <laughs> i don't think um, i have to interject because
1: i just thought of a little anecdote that i wanted to sure. share about popcorn so sean will probably remember this and you might already know what i'm about to say but i will never <laughs> forget i think it was our third theory class theory three our, written theory three uh-huh. where we had an exam do you remember this
0: and oh
1: i yeah. it was a really tough one i don't know if it was our final or what but we like I think walked down of, there. of the
0: midterm it
1: was a big one. Yeah. And I remember walking out of the room and all of my friends, including Sean, was, was right there. And I was like, oh, I said, those Roman numerals <laughs> were so hard. <laughs> and all of them looked at me and they were like, Cole, like we were supposed docking. to put popcorns. <laughs> and we- <laughs> I remember being like, oh, my gosh. And so like, I ran back in. And thankfully, our professor dr he he's amazing love that man yeah um but he was i i said dr Heap, i put roman numerals not And i was like can i fix them and he was like he was like looked at it and he was like oh my god he was like yes and i was like thank (laughs) you so much (laughs) so we love a good popcorn that made it so much easier um anyhow sorry to interrupt i just needed to share that that yeah and that's that's also the
0: thing when it's like If it's constantly changing keys, like Roman numerals are just kind of (laughs) difficult to keep up with.
1: So hard.
0: Um, Yeah. But I will say, like, even when I do my pop chords, sometimes if we're if we've modulated or we're now in a different key area, I will write the key. I don't know if I put that page on these, but there's a moment where it goes into E flat major and I just literally wrote E flat and then put a colon because now I know that we're in E flat. So that's are you
1: able to like turn the pages on here? Yes.
0: Okay, great. Love that. I don't think I put it on there. Oh well. Um okay. I'm sorry. I'm taking too long. No, I the next thing no, it's okay. The next thing is like I go through and do my markings. Obviously, this would be cues, dynamics, terms, groups, phrases. Uh so I think what I'll do is I'll just show you my my uh markings here. So The first thing I want to talk about is measure 30 here. You notice I put a little bar above. And then the next measure is exactly the same. So I left it. I left it alone. And then in these two bars, what Beethoven is doing here is he's he's accelerating the tempo by making the values a little bit less. So like we had whole notes, whole notes, half, half 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 and here he had half note quarter note half note quarter note and then he changes it to dotted quarter eighth dotted quarter eighth and this is a very standard thing that you will find in in classical music um, i do want to add that you people who are not
1: watching the youtube video we're going to put links to these example scores
0: oh yeah that'd be great
1: in our description because i probably take you to a google drive where you can look at these so if you're listening and be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Pause the video or the the podcast, or you can skip along a bit um, and then come back to it. And so you can visually see what Sean is talking about. Okay. Yeah. Continue. I, continue sorry.
0: I just realized I don't have to put my face in the camera. I can just look at my score. Great. Have, oh, so yeah. Sorry about that. Wow. Think um, smarter, not harder. I know. Right. <laughs> so after <laughs> so those two bars at the whole notes, I now put a slash on top of each half note marking that this is getting faster now and and things are happening on beats one and beat three instead of just one bar, one bar, it's now uh, half a bar for each bar. So I also wrote on their energy and intense. Sometimes I write those little directions just for myself. So I know like, okay, this is very energetic. And before that, I write super small because I want to be, I'm a very large person. So conducting super small is really hard for me. So when I need to do it, obviously, I'm going to write it like super small, be reminded, um, and do it. So that's what those little hash marks are for, just to uh, pinpoint that energy, where it's coming from and how it's going to the next thing. Um, And you'll notice I do have the pop chords here as well i do put roman numerals just because i was like okay that's five got it one five got it like that was just very simple for me to do um and then let's go to the next page what page is it here number five i kind of jumped around i didn't want to show you the whole thing if i didn't need to so what i have here is this little hyphen and then clarinet seconds and i learned this actually from kevin no he's like a huge score study person and what he does is he'll write instruments that are playing the same thing so if you notice here in measure 56 clarinets and second violins um, have the melody so just Mm -hmm. right off the bat if i'm in a rehearsal i can look at that and just be like okay clarinet second violins let's do this melody together and it's just Like, that changed my life. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so smart. I'm going to do that. Mm. And I just, I've been doing that. Um, Because if you're, especially if you're in, like, a very large score, this is not so large, so it's a little bit easier. But if you're in a score that's using the full page um, and you have all these instruments, you might, like, take too much time. Okay, uh, clarinet, uh, first violin, uh, timpani, like, it just might take too much time. So writing those little things are important. The little brackets that I do, um, I kind of interchange this bracket. It means two things. One, it's either a cue, or two, it's something new or something, uh, uh, yeah, something new or something important. Um, so that's what this bracket means in the woodwinds here. So with that bracket, I know all those woodwinds are playing that. Um, so that's important to know. Let's see anything else on this page. No, let's go to the next page. I guess I didn't put the two-bar phrase thing. I'm sorry. I didn't leave that page. My That's bad. Okay. Um, so this page, number 16, let me flip to that so I can see what I'm doing. Oh, I just wanted to show uh, another use for that bracket. So you can see the last measure of the first system there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not new material. Like this whole section is not new material, but that single note is very new. It has not happened before. So I was like, okay, I got to know that in first bassoon and in the bass, you notice I circled the first bassoon note and the bass, they're playing that. It's something new. So I put that bracket there. So the bracket means various things for me. Um, and you might have something that means various things for you as well. So, um, And one thing I wanted to say, if you notice in these pages, sometimes I put different letters that are there. Let me see if it shows it. See, like I, I wrote in an A here, and that's not actually A in my scores because I had a different edition than the the orchestra had, so wow. this is something that's extremely important. You know, put your measure numbers in, and put your rehearsal marks if you think it's going to be different from the edition that the orchestra has. Just ask for a, like a first violin part or something, and write in those rehearsal marks because I I will be honest, I have wasted so much rehearsal time in a rehearsal like that before, where mm-hmm. I had a completely different edition, and it's just very exhausting to. Luckily up.
1: that doesn't happen too much in the choir
0: world. So, Right, right. And then there's one last thing I want to say. Sometimes I will why didn't I put that page on there? I don't know. I also will abbreviate the instruments for cues as well. So let's say I just I wanted to like really make sure I get the flute in on the top of page five. I would just write FL period. And it's like, okay, that's flute. Got it. So that's Another thing that I do for cues, so yeah, that's Is that I why think. you were
1: at like ob at the top of that page?
0: Yes, yeah, oboe. Oh yeah, it's really small right there. I can't see it on my computer, but yeah, oboe and then bassoon. So that's like
1: a cue. That's why you wrote that in. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Good to know.
0: Yeah. So obviously, you know, take those things, do what you want. If it doesn't work, that's completely fine. You don't, you won't hurt my feelings. So
1: period. <laughs> Um, all right. Let's talk about my process. Um, I just want to add that this is like a variation. Actually, two things I want to add. This is a variation on the CME method. Um, I started doing that once I went to grad school. And so, um, yeah, I just want to add that it's it's a variation on that. Um, I also want to add that um, I did get permission to use the score. Thankfully, the editor is my teacher um so i don't have to worry too much about that but i, I want to add that um so i will be looking at um i'll show you my example score of uh so Chase's stop at mater edited by meredith bowen and uh, this is the um, satb version but the treble voice version can be found on hal leonard so if you're interested um feel free to look there so, what do I do when I first get um, a new piece of music? I listen, 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 um, and I don't do it with a score at first. I'm just trying to get an idea of what's going on. So, I'll usually listen to a bunch of different versions to kind of, you know, start getting an idea overall um, what is going on. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't pull out the score so so soon. Um, I'll try to get an idea first what's going on and and kind of uh, listen to the piece overall as a whole. Um, And then I will research the background and the context. Usually I do this like two birds, one stone. I'll be like listening to the score and I'll be doing something else. Um, And so I'll usually go ahead and get the the idea of what the, the background is. Um, Also the text. That's something that's different from Sean and I. Um, I want to know like who's the poet or the lyricist, like, what's going on? What does this text mean? If it's foreign language, I want to go ahead and start getting an idea about, Oh, I didn't even put this down on my list, but if it's foreign language, you know, I have to find the translations. I I usually like to do word for word translations, Mm -hmm. but I also have to start finding IPA. Like, am I going to write in the IPA myself? Does IPA source have a version of this? It's like, great. I just taught, um, forays cantique de janta Scene last year this past year and so uh, thankfully ipa source had ipa for that already written out so i didn't have to do too too much so i could just write that in Mm -hmm. Um, but there's you know i'm trying to get all gather all this information before i even start marking up my score so i can like pull from things when i need to so so yeah i usually have a listening session where i've just put it on I'm finding these things. Um, And then once I feel that I have all this information gathered and ready to go, I'll go ahead and listen to it again with the score in hand. And I'm following along. And I usually start marking little things that I'm hearing. Um, So if there's like, uh, if I'm listening, you'll you'll see this in a minute when I show you uh, the Stab and score. But If I'm listening to this and then next, you know, the soprano line starts peeking out of the texture. I'm going to go ahead and highlight that as I'm listening, just so I know like what beginning to start realizing what I need to listen for. Anyhow, I don't Mm -hmm. know if that makes sense. Yeah. So I gather all that information. I've listened to it with the score in hand. And then I need to start analyzing the score so we could take a look at it. um, Take a look at it here. You'll notice there's...
0: Cole's is much more colorful than mine. Very, very
1: colorful. Yeah.
0: I guess I could add I tried the colored pencils and my brain just like explodes. So, Um. well,
1: yeah. (laughs) So it's okay if colored pencils
0: don't work for you.
1: Yeah. But I will say that I got an iPad. I splurged an iPad a few years ago and Sean has one as well. But yeah, it has changed the game for me. And I cannot emphasize it enough. I know it's a big purchase and. It's a big ask for a lot of people, but, um, actually it was, I think with the, we got like a COVID-19 something for our university. And so I just like, I felt bad, like getting that money. And so I just used it for, for an educational purpose, which was the iPad. So I downloaded, I got the iPad and I downloaded the app for score. That's what I use for this. And I, Sean uses that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. So, but the reason why, before I start discussing these things, the reason why color works best for me is I'm a very visual person. And um, a lot of times it actually, I first learned about this when I was in my private voice lessons, I would mark stuff in with pencil. And when I'm in the process of like reading the music, the pencil didn't stick out to me. Mm -hmm. And so I started using a, a red, uh, erasable pencil to start marking things in and that was like life-changing for me because then it popped out of the texture so where i could see it better so that kind of expanded into what this is but the cme is like the cme method is what uh, is helping me distinguish all these colors and things and so there's a system to this madness (laughs) but remember if you if this is something that you're wanting to try full throttle send it I support you in that decision. If this is not something you want to try, just hear me out <laughs> for the next few minutes and see if it starts making sense to you. So my, after I listen to the score within hand and you see at the beginning, those highlighter markings, those are what I did before I even started analyzing the score. I would see things are starting to pop out of the texture, like the soprano line at the top of the second page, the C mm-hmm. natural to B to A that came out of the texture for sure. So I started highlighting these things that are important. You see at the bottom, the tenor line that is going up now, um, those things are popping out at me. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's, that's pretty important to note. So once again, Mm -hmm. I'm preparing for that listening phase of the rehearsal preparation that we talked about earlier. So yes, I analyze the score and I start by marking big and important things. Um, So I think in here somewhere, so you'll see, I wish that this was more of a pointer but um at the end of yeah, the top really line like yeah at the end of the top line of the second page you'll see this really thick black line you see that mm. right after the green breath marks that yeah. denotes it's like a new section you see it mm. again at the bottom of the next page and so um so yeah i go through and i listen and i start marking the different sections and then you'll see at the top of the first page there's an a So this is the A section, and then I don't think the B section is in here, but I mark those sections big and bold, so I am Mm -hmm. aware of that. And then, uh, you know, this I know this is kind of boring to talk about, but then I start looking at, um, like, the key, like, where we're at. So we start in A minor, and I don't do measure by measure. Um, (laughs) I I usually do big sections. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And so uh, (laughs) you see, as we go from A minor... Eventually to the five, and then we go back to A major. We end on another chord, A major. So we're going from A minor to A major, which I think is interesting. There's a lot of things going on here, um, but I usually denote a chord if it's something that's different or feels new to what we're listening for. So when I am in that rehearsal process, I know that oh, this last chord at the top of the second page is A major, which is different than when we started from. Right. So I need to make mm-hmm. sure that that C sharp in the soprano is going pretty strong and they're not singing a c natural so which they yeah which they did just two measures before on the word fee all right so i denote those things when that i feel are important for me to to remember mm-hmm. um see so yeah, i talked about the key the form different sections and then i'll start marking um tempo and meter changes so i usually mark tempo or and meter changes by, um, well, not tempo markings per se, but the meter changes with the, the purple highlighter. I do that every time the meter changes. And usually above, you'll see an orange marking, which there's a circle, and then there's a V, which denotes my gesture. So mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to go at the beginning. I start in a two pattern, which is this, which the V distinguishes. And then I'm going to switch to a one pattern at the beginning of measure nine. But I know I'm going to prepare for the end of that section with a two pattern, if that makes sense. So I'm denoting those things. So I'm denoting those things um, um, just to help me along the way. And so you see it only messages in that this one section that switches into a tripla. So we start at two, then we go to the triple, and then back to the two. That's really the only time in this whole piece. It happens again later on um that i really changed meter but i i I realized that a lot of core music nowadays like there's some meter change or some pattern changes and meter changes a lot going on and so Mm -hmm. you see it a lot more frequently than in this score per se okay what do i do next and then comes the most colorful part of this i start I like spend like 30 minutes going through and circling and marking all the dynamic markings. So the CME method that I use distinguishes different colors for different dynamics. So if it's a piano, I will um, circle it. If it's a pianissimo, I circle it in blue. If it's a pianissimo, I'll square it in blue. Mm-hmm. And so you see at the beginning, the mezzo forte, that's Brown. And then I um, color in all of the crescendos, red decrescendos, blue, um, there's just a pattern for this madness. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it really helps it pop out of the texture when I'm looking at it. And so I remember, oh, this is red crescendo. I need to to do that. And it helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, you'll also see the big red um, arrows at the bottom. This is because the tempo is changing, which I find is helpful for me. So instead of circling the one thirty-two or whatever, I'm going to go ahead and draw those red arrows in mm. so that I know that I need to start going faster here. And so yeah. I distinguish that also by marking a big red line at the beginning of that triple, and then we're slowing down. So I distinguish with a big blue line. So it's just there's a lot. I know it's like kind of silly, <laughs> but I promise it works. It works for me. Yeah. And so, no, I think if
0: it works, then it's great.
1: Yeah. That's that's what's most important. I'm trying to see what else. Oh, yes. So the last thing that I want to talk about with the the colorful markings that I have here, there are some yellow highlighting that is just straight down. So it's not following a single line. You'll see at the the fourth measure here between the soprano, alto, and bass line, there's a highlighter going down, right? This is Mm -hmm. something that is not CME method. I do that for cue purposes, so like that tells me that I need to look at these sections. So mm-hmm. the, the tenor line and the, the fourth measure for the third beat, I need to look at them and cue them there because that's different than what's going on. Same for the alto and beat three of the fifth measure. Um, that's just something that I've done over the years that makes you feel better. So you see, I need to cue the altos and tenors together in the second measure of the second page, like that kind of stuff. Um, is what it's what's most helpful for me in that setting Mm -hmm. so and then the green markings that's breath markings sticks out of the texture so yeah so that's the colorful things and then just to talk about the text really quickly you'll see that at the top of the page the sorrowful mother stood this is when i'm going to start writing out the word for word translation of what's going on as well as writing out the ipa underneath of it so I'm not going into the rehearsal setting unless I know what the IPA is. Um, mm-hmm. And if I don't know it, or if I can't find it, if I'm still working out, we're going to be singing on due until I can get that ready to yeah. Go. Um. So yeah. And so I mark up my score. I've listened to it a bunch of times. I have a general idea of what's going on. And then like Sean said, I'm going to go sit at the piano and I'm going to sing through all the parts individually. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I will play parts together at the piano Maybe I'll play the soprano and alto line together so I can hear what it's like. Maybe I'll sing the soprano line, play the alto line, you know, that kind of stuff, variation, just so I can start internalizing and feeling what the lines feel like to sing. Um, Because I also feel with interpretation, like vowels are really important in the choral setting. And so I might start singing and I might be thinking like, oh, how do I want to do the vowels here? Do I want them more bel canto in this setting? Yes. Or do I want them more contemporary? How does it feel in my voice? And be prepared to give students options based on what I'm hearing. So Mm -hmm. because the vowel tuning process is really about intonation. And so I'm going to focus on that. So sorry, rant over. That is what I do. (laughs)
0: Um, yeah, I'd also, I would say, as we're talking about like practicing through the parts or singing, um, if you're doing a, a uh, rhythmically challenged piece, mm-hmm. it's super important to like know those rhythms as well, because how in the world can we expect our students or performers to to get the rhythm if we ourselves can't mm-hmm. sing the rhythm? Right um, so I think that's that's important as well.
1: But I mean also, for you people who are working with a pianist, there's been many circumstances that I have been leading the rehearsal setting and the pianist has been getting the rhythm wrong. Right. I think most times it's like, oh, okay, they're gonna handle this. they're pianists, they must be good at rhythm, which nine times out of ten they are. you know, and it might be a little mishap, but you like you should always be listening for everything. So yeah, Sean's right. Like you need to know everything from the um the the notes from to the rhythm to the dynamics, everything you need to go ahead and prepare, which takes a lot right. of time. You know, I don't score study a day before I'm teaching a piece. Right. Well, that's not ideal. I've done it before, but that's not ideal. <laughs> you know, usually right. I want a few days that I can like get settled into the ideas and not feel rushed to learn something. Mm-hmm. But if and you are feel... in that position. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna
0: say I was just gonna say don't feel embarrassed if you like accidentally do get something wrong or you make a mistake. Because yeah. obviously many. we're all human. Yeah, we make yeah. many mistakes. So don't be don't get discouraged. Most of the time your uh whoever you're conducting will be supportive, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So don't yeah. don't worry. So
1: all right. Thank you so much for listening to us. I think this conversation went longer than yes, I think we were expecting too it to, Sorry, which y'all. is, you know, whatever you can um, speed along this process um, if you would like, or if yeah. you're here, it might be too late. I don't know. Um, but as always, Sean, do you want to lead us in our last section here?
0: Yes. So, you know, we like to give two conductors to watch um, and my conductor for today is Ankush Kumar ball. He is the music director of the Omaha Symphony. Um, I was lucky enough to go to his seminar. It was a seminar called Everything But Conducting, um, and it's from the Everything Conducting team. If you guys haven't checked them out, you definitely should. Um, He's part of that team, and he had a seminar, and it was just really great. It was all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, like getting the job, acing the application, uh, that kind of thing. And... We got to see him do a concert and some of his rehearsals and where he conducted Mahler five. So that was really fun and he's a really great conductor. You can find some videos of him on YouTube. Um, mm. So, yeah.
1: And then for me, um, I decided to uh, put down my friend and colleague, um, well, Sean and I I's friend and colleague, um, Dr. Leticia Um, mm-hmm. She is a, originally from Brazil, um, but we met her a few years ago, and um, yeah, she just recently accepted the new position at the Saginaw Valley uh, Director of Choral Activities job, so super excited for her. Yeah, the Chiefs, um, yeah. Yay, yay. Uh, <laughs> Dr. G. And um, yeah, she's amazing. Her gesture is so clear. It's beautiful. Sean and I, I think, have both been in an ensemble in her direction. Did you play for her?
0: I think so, Three? yeah. Mm-hmm. Ensemble, yeah
1: um she's a really fantastic person um gorgeous gesture gorgeous gesture um and so i think she has some videos on youtube so if you feel free to look her up that's someone who is still on their journey and um you should definitely pay attention to so anyhow without further ado thank you so much for joining us for today's episode and listening to our various rants um <laughs> And once again, this is not set in stone. Um, these are just what works best for us individually. Right. And so if, if this is something that works for you, uh, feel free to or either one of the things, anything we've talked about today, feel free to reach out and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, and also, if you don't already, feel free to follow us on our Instagram at young.conductors. Um, we also want to add that we hit a thousand followers on Instagram, which is so exciting. Yes. Um, we're very honored to have y'all, um, be a part of this growing community, um, where we support and and guide one another. So yes, thank you for that. We're very thankful. So we hope you have a great rest of your day and thanks again for watching. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you.